Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, Crossroads. If you have any questions about what's going on in the life of a church, please talk to us. Love to get you connected, answer any questions you have. Um, there's a little card in the seat back in front of you. Um, take a look at those. Fill that out if you have a prayer request, and you can just drop that in the offering. And if you'd like to worship um, this morning through giving, there's the giving, worship through giving boxes back there on the wall as you go out of the sanctuary um, itself. So hopefully you've been with us. You know we're in the book of Ephesians. Um, I'm going to dive right in here this morning. Uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to step back a little bit and also move forward. I'm going to read a larger section of scripture. We're going to walk through it and talk as we go. Um, this morning. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you, there's one in the seat back in front of you. Um, I, again, I'm going to say it again. I encourage you to go paper with your Bible. In this very media age, just get the paper and get rid of the distractions. Um, We'll help you with that if you have any questions on that. Um, But thank you for being here. And um, let's just... uh, Dive in. We're going to talk about how to walk with God, just a minor topic, um, how to walk with God. So, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everyone tuning in, watching online, and uh, here together as your church, Father. Um, Holy Spirit, pray that you'd come. Put your fire on your word, Lord. Um, we need more than just the ritual of church. That's not what this is. It's not what you died and rose again for, Lord. It's not what you call us into. You call us into intimate fellowship with you, God, as a family, in your presence. You promise you're here this morning, and Lord, we just invite you to come interrupt us, interrupt me. Come put your power on your word this morning. May it go deep within our hearts. Lord, we're expecting the those, Lord, who are captive, those who are struggling to be set free. We expect conviction, Lord. We expect encouragement and love and joy. We expect our hearts to burn, Lord, with your presence and a righteous, holy longing for the things that please you, God. Invite you into this place, Lord. Get a hold of our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, how to walk with God. Um, Folks, Jesus... When he came and he said, follow me, and that still is going out from God every day to your heart, to your mind, Jesus wants you to follow him. And that's not just today and tomorrow, it's the rest of a lifetime on into eternity to come and follow him. It is an invitation to walk with God. And as we'll see in chapter 4 of Ephesians this morning, the, I, the word in the Greek for, for a walk is the same word used to live. It's how we live. It's the experience of life. Jesus is inviting you to come and walk with God. Um, we go all the way back to Genesis. What happened? Um, God creates his desire was to dwell with his people, with Adam and Eve, the first of his creation, created a garden, a temple. That God would walk, and it says in chapter 3, he walked in the cool of the day. God was walking in the garden. Adam and Eve had this walking, talking fellowship with God. 
And um, you know the rest of the story. Adam and Eve um, sinned. They rejected they re- God's commands. They rebelled against him like we all would and like we all have. And they were cast out of the garden from the very beginning. The way from God's presence of falling, walking with him in that kind of intimacy. And folks, the heart of God is to restore all that in sending Jesus is just that, to restore us walking with him. He wants to walk with you in abundant life. Uh, we read a few other passages, go further in Genesis than the very beginning. And, and we see even with the fall that uh, the garden, right, heaven, the presence of God got taken from the earth. And, um, and the earth, even the creation itself, fell as a result of sin. And, of course, the rest of history is that. But God has a redemptive plan all along the way. But just a, a few chapters later, we see... Um, this idea that, boy, quickly, people so quickly moved away from God and said a large period of time went and uh, people just didn't seek God. But it has this little passage after the birth of Seth, after the the murder, right, of Abel. And and we see it says, and people started calling on the name of God again. Folks, that's what happens with revival. And I just put out to you, we must, it is time, for God's people to start calling on the name of God again. And then we see the, the genealogy and we come to this guy, Enoch. And it says that Enoch um, walked with God. That's how I define it. He walked with God. And then it says a little, just a couple of verses later, it says he walked with God and then he was not and God took him. And um, and it's always been a, a, a wonderful thing to look at um, Wow, what happened to him? He's walking along and says, right from earth into heaven. And um, I, I, I want to make the connection with that and what we've been looking at in the book of Ephesians, a heavenly places perspective. If you've been with this five times in this book, Paul mentions the heavenly place. He begins in chapter one, verse three, and he says, you all have been blessed in the spiritual realm with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He says that if you know Jesus and he's come and he's made you righteous because of his work, not ours, is that he seated you at the right hand with him in the heavenly places. And in chapter six, we'll get there in the warfare that we're in now as it were to put on the armor of God. We have a role to play in intercession with heaven and earth. And God's grand plan in chapter one, verse 10 is to unite all things in heaven and earth together. What I advocate to you is this idea of walking with God isn't Enoch walk with God. He was not. God took him. Is that this plan of God with his church to represent the kingdom of God, church the king, to represent the kingdom of God. When God's people get together, when God's people cry upon God, in worship and his presence is it is a coming together of heaven and earth and we're to expect that and so with that said that's going to lead us in into chapter 3 starting verse 14 i have three things i hope you'll take these Uh, these are um, not only critical for if we want to walk with god but folks i believe these three things are are um, absolute priority, especially today. And I think Paul points this out, that these are critical um, when it comes to carrying out the fullness of God's plan in our lives and the plan for his church. I think these three things we're going to look at this morning are the three main barriers that we have today in the church and individually in our lives of just getting breakthrough in our Christian walk and maturity and walking, truly walking with God. And so I, I commend these to you. This morning, first one, here we go. 
We do, and, and these are just in questions. Do we know the love of Christ and its power in our soul? I ask you this morning, there's no more important question that you will answer in all your life daily and in the totality of your life. Do you know the love of God? Not just, yeah, I know God loves me. Or I've heard that before. Do you know the love of Christ inside your soul at the depth of your soul? Do you know how much the Father loves you? And his son, son, after you, do you know the power that it takes for God's love and presence to reside in your soul and to save you? This is not something that we can just kind of, oh yeah, God, I'm gonna, God loves me and we just kind of, a platitude we put out there. This is a powerful supernatural event that takes place. Only God, by the power of the Spirit, can put his love inside the soul of someone. Our responsibility is to receive it. And Jesus continually says, today is the day of salvation. Today, when you hear his good news, do not harden your heart. Open your heart to the love of God. And he says, he's knocking. We just have to open up. And he promises to come in with his love and his power. His love does not set inside us outside of a move of the power of God. And that power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the accomplished work of God in this world to unite man um, and God again to restore the garden as such. And he starts here in this garden. He revives this place that was dead, cut off from God, selfish, living under the bonds, right? And the captivity of the devil and the world and the flesh and everything else. He's come inside us to set us free, to restore life, to start the abundant life, to start cultivating eternal life inside our soul. Do you know the love of Christ? And folks, one of the key blocks today, which we just go down the line, anxiety, depression, on and on and on, all what we have out there that is just beating the tar out of people, there is only one answer, only one. You can look high, you can look low, there's only one for your soul and is the love of God inside there. It's the only thing that will set you free, set your soul free with the life of God inside your soul. And do you know the love of Christ? And this is why Paul says this prayer, the most powerful prayer we can pray for ourselves and we should be for our others and our family. Um, just listen to this. Verse 14, chapter 3, Ephesians. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And Paul's desire was that all people would know the love of the Father. Without it, you're lost. We're orphaned. Right, Our soul is just consumed by self and completely embodied to what the world and the devil and the spiritual realm actually says and captive to those things. And so Paul's interceding here that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you, listen to this, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is a supernatural work. It's not some philosophy. It's not something you just take notes and go, oh, I believe in the love of God. Oh, I can go to Sunday school and read the nice kids. Oh, I know the love of God. This is a supernatural move of the spirit of God inside our soul that comes, crashes in, convicts us of our lostness and our need uh, for God in our sin and, and brings his grace and his mercy. And oh, it's like an overwhelming thing. And, and when somebody's saved, it's not just, ah, yeah, I kind of, you know, I believe in God. No, it's radical. This is what I was. This is who I was. Now this is who I am now. 
I was in darkness and God has redeemed me out of the darkness and he's put me into light. And we have watered that down. It's not some philosophy. It's not just growing up in the church. You can go to church all day long and miss God every single time. You can listen to a thousand podcasts. You can read all. You can go to seminary. You can read it all. Do you know the love of Christ in your soul? It's a supernatural work. We have to call upon it. We have to expect it in the church. And we boldly have to preach it. And we have to ask, have I opened my heart to this? Inside, without the love of God inside my soul, somebody can tell you all day long, you're loved, you're loved, you're good, you're great, you're this, you're that. It will never satisfy your soul. Only when you hear the supernatural loving words of God, your heavenly father say, I love you. You are pleased in my eyes. I've sent my son for you to redeem you, bring you back to reconcile you into relationship with me. Do you know the love of God? You know the love of Christ and it's power. And folks, love, the love of God, love is we throw this all around, love, you know, all over the place. Outside of the love of God, it's just a human desire, but we miss it. We don't have without his, his power. We need it to move right inside us. And so I just ask you this number one question. If we're going to walk with God, first, I have to know his love. I have to know he loves me. And he's moved all of heaven and earth to come after me, right? And to crash into my soul and to love me. And folks, this is where I have to get in tune. And, and so I, I think, wow, that, how do we do this, right? And now let me just finish these, these words. It says, so that the Christ, verse 17, may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all. Paul's interceding for the church and he expects us to intercede for each other this way. All that you may be grounded in the love of God, grounded in your soul, rock solid understanding who you are, your value, your confidence in who you are. And that you may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, the magnitude of God's love and the magnitude of God's plan in the world, right? And to know this love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You cannot learn it. It is something that is transcendent, it's supernatural. It transcends knowledge. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. He can do it. He is able. We just have to open our heart and trust him. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And then he goes on. I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk. Here it is. In a manner worthy of your calling. God has called you to walk with him. So walk in a manner worthy of this amazing calling with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace because all of those things create an atmosphere, a supernatural atmosphere that the love of God moves and convicts and changes and transforms people's lives. There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. 
understand what you have been called into, saved into, the family of God. So how do we do this? How do we, what does it look like to walk with God in the love of God? And I just, I just ask you to think about some things. Is This is the role of discipleship. Is who has walked alongside you? Who's come alongside you and said, hey, let's walk. Let's get into the gospels. Let's learn what the gospel is. Let's learn, right? What the fundamental idea is to follow, to walk with God. It is to understand the gospel first and foremost, right? Inside my soul to understand his love. Um, and so I just, I just encourage you to, man, take a step, walk with somebody, invite somebody in. Um, and and the, the easiest thing I can, when I think about walking with God and, and just over the years wrestling with this, I, I think the thing I just keep coming back to is very simple, but actually it's very profound. Is, is, is my constant um, uh, awareness that God is with me. And Paul said, do, do not cease in praying. To walk with God is to continually invite him in. I'm having the spirit of God's inside me, so I'm having this ongoing conversation. I'm inviting him into everything. I'm praying about everything. And, and I'm expecting God to do things. I'm expecting him to speak to me, to lead me, to guide me, to show me his ways. Right? Um, and, but it's this conversation. I'm just walking with him. And if you walk with somebody else, most of the time you, you might be silent for a while. But if you're just walking with somebody, then you're, um, Sean and I went for a walk yesterday down the Rio Grande. And sometimes it's just, wow, we're quiet. And other times we, what? How you doing? We engage. We communicate. Do you have that kind of relationship with God? You just say, you know, I need to, man, I'm stressed out. I got a busy day. Do you just go for a walk with God? Let me tell you right now. You can go skiing. You can go work out. You can do all those kind of things. That's important. That's fun. Nothing will change the stress level and the health of your countenance like going for a walk with God. Put aside all the activity. Just walk and talk. Lord, tell them about your day. Tell them about your troubles. Tell them about your anxiety. Tell them about whatever it is. Just talk to him and invite him in and open your ears. God, speak to me. This is walking with God. It's exactly what Jesus did. But somehow, and I know in my own life, man, when I subtly get busy and I subtly get consumed with different things, guess what happens? I wake up and the first thing in my mind is what I got to do to the next thing on my list or whatever it is. And guess what? God's not walking with me anymore. I'm walking myself. I'm under the flesh. And now I'm captive to all the noise of the world, right? So walk with him. Talk with him. And if you want to understand how do I do that, is lock arms with someone in discipleship and learn how, right, to walk with God. So that's the first one. If we're going to walk with him, it starts right there. Is getting honest with my soul and my heart. And, and this is the other thing I'd say is, are you in a context with somebody that knows your heart? And I mean, I'm drilled down here, husband and wives. Do you know the heart of your spouse? Do you know how to speak into the heart of your spouse? Do you know how to speak into the heart of your friends? What, do you know what's going on deep in the chasms of the soul? We're called, this is the abundant life. We're called to live like that level. And what I know is, and I could go on and on even just recently, is that, man, I'm telling you, is you, can, you can put on a great show on the outside, but, man, if nobody knows your heart, trouble is coming. A fall is coming. Um, 
So walk with God and walk with each other and understand what this is, this is all about. Second one, do we know the victory of Jesus and its deliverance in our life? Now, I'm gonna, we're going to go a little deeper here this morning. You might say, well, that was already deep, but we're going to go even deeper. And so I just hold on to your seats. Um, we're going to drill down and trust the Lord's going to do some, some powerful stuff this morning, okay? Listen to this verse. Um, I'll start in seven. But grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. I'll come back to that. Therefore, it says, now Paul goes back and pulls a couple verses from Psalm 68. Psalm 68 is an amazing psalm. It's, we, many scholars think it's one of the oldest psalms we have. It is a psalm of David. It is amazing. And many say it's the most difficult psalm to understand. Let me give you a quick rundown. Uh, David in Psalm 68, he is rejoicing in the deliverance power of God, of redeeming God's people out of Egypt with the Exodus. And he also is going further to say he's rejoicing that God is coming back again. There's going to be another exodus when God's people in Israel are again shoved out into the wilderness. God is going to come back in Jesus' second return, and he's going to have another exodus of victoriously leading his people into the epicenter of the world to Jerusalem, Mount Zion, where God's presence, heaven and earth, will again reside together. Now, that was a lot. Um, come to outpost 378. We're going to dig deeper into all that, right? But Paul takes this glorious victory of what God has done in the past, what he's going to do in the future, and he brings it down and he applies it to the church age right now until Jesus returns to do all that. And he brings it to the church age. He says, when he ascended on high, he led, a, speaking of Jesus, a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. This is victory language taken right from the culture of when a nation... Um, had a massive victory against another nation is the king that had a huge processional and they would have the captives behind them and they'd throw out gifts to the people of the land. And, and Paul is using this language to say, now church, understand the victory of Jesus on the cross. It is a powerful supernatural victory over the powers of darkness that have held the world and the people of the world in bondage by the devil and his demonic forces. Now, let me just stop here. If you, if you don't think that there's a real devil, if you don't think there's real persona behind evil in the world, please, I, I would love to talk to you about that. I'd love to engage with you. Please don't let anything that goes on here just kind of uh, shove it and move on. Please engage on this stuff. This is the word of God, right? And let's wrestle with it on, on, on all different levels. But here's what I want to do. Okay, is um, let me just, these verses up here, I pray you'll take them and really drill down deep on this. What I'm advocating here and what I've seen is in the church, we have missed the power encounter. We have missed the glorious, powerful victory that Jesus accomplished in the spiritual realm over the rulers and authorities that is our victory to take hold of for our own lives and the lives of others today to do what Jesus did, set the captive free. And free means free. 
This does not just mean some, you know, talking it through or whatever. It means radical supernatural deliverance from demonic influence in our lives. Okay? So, um, back to uh, what I have here is Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. I'm not going to read all that. You can go back. We see in the heavenly places that God, what has he done with Jesus? He rose, he brought, he sent him forth, right, for a victory. It didn't look like a victory. The cross didn't. But the third day, all, everything changed. And he defeated the power of sin and death. He defeated in his temptation with the devil. He defeated, right, the rulers and authorities that are under the devil's power to hold the world captive and in fear by death and by the power of sin. And everything that comes, right, a part of that, the rebellion and everything, right? And he's gained that victory for us. He's victorious. And he expects us to walk in that victory. Now, Colossians 1, just move over a couple pages. You got Ephesians, Philippians, go to Colossians chapter 1. Listen to this, verse 13. He, the Father, he delivered us from the domain of darkness and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is powerful language of understanding what happens at salvation. You were, I were, was, the whole world is held captive in the kingdom of darkness, meaning we're separated from God. We are under the power of the one who has the power of the world. It's the devil. The one who fell in the very beginning. The one who's put forth the evil right into this world and all the powers of evil in this world. There is persona, there is a spiritual realm, folks, that's behind everything that happens physically. When you see evil on the rise, and, and I'd, I'd say beware of the TV shows. The level of just blatant evil that is crept into just mainline shows today is colossal. Do not just get in the habit of just watching gross, terrible evil as entertainment. It is demonic, it is evil. And it is moving rapidly right in our country. Um, I won't speak too much on that. Look at chapter 2 of Colossians. Starting, uh, I'm going to start in verse 13. And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh. Cut off from God, in other words. God made alive together. God made us alive together with him having forgiven us of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. I'll come back to that. Read on. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. That's evil, demonic rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm. He disarmed them and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him, in Christ. What? What is going on here? What is going on? In other words, folks, it's when people talk about being a Christian, God, Jesus, and forgiving my sins, that is a little piece of the gospel. It's a little piece of what Jesus has accomplished for you. His victory is far and wide greater than that and far deeper than that. He has put to shame and defeated the powers, the evil forces, rulers, and authorities in the spiritual realm that have held and today hold captive people all around the world to everything from simple mental struggles all the way to deep dark evil habits and addictions on down the line because he's the thief who comes to kill steal and destroy 
And to think that we as humans can solve any of those problems is ludicrous. I'm just going to be clear with you. Will we get some help? Can mankind do a little help? Oh, we can put Band-Aids. And I'm telling you, if you want freedom in the spiritual realm, because these are spiritual issues, we live in a spiritual world. And the reason why today we are just have so many people limping through life, struggling, never set free, is because we have minimized the victory of Jesus, what he has done to set people free. And for the church to be the place where the power of the gospel moves and breaks those strongholds and radically sets people free by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the gospel. That is what Jesus modeled for us. Now I'm going to go a little deeper, right? Um, Acts, you can go back to Acts 10, 38. When Peter was preaching to Cornelius and his whole household of Gentiles, Cornelius was a a centurion, right? I mean, he was as bad as they got in the Jews' eyes, right? A part of the oppressors is when he's preaching his message before the Holy Spirit beautifully interrupted that sermon is that he, part of his message was he defined Jesus as the one who had come and who had healed people from the oppression of the devil, right? And we miss that, and it's so, we have missed the, con, the spiritual context of the battle going on. This is a spiritual battle against forces far darker than we have imagined. We've minimized that. And we put way too much effort in our human ability to address the battle. The only power we have that we can stand is the armor of God that we'll get to in chapter 6 and the power of the Holy Spirit to get true breakthrough and true deliverance in people's lives. And it is the church to represent the kingdom of God. It is the church that represents the radical love of God and the victory of Jesus to bring this kind of salvation and deliverance to people. And to our own, we start with our own souls. So go to 1 John, and I'm going to give you something to really think deep about. Um, Chapter 3, verse 8. And Paul said, in the context here of John, is the battle with sin. Now, folks, we're going to get to chapter 6 in Ephesians. Our battle with sin, and here, gosh... Ah, I'm tempted to go sideways on this. Um, look, we, many of us grew up in a church where it was just do's and don'ts. Young people, sometimes, ah, oh, that church, they're just, it's boring. They're just telling us what not to do. And folks, that's on us. That is wrong communication. It's not just about do's and don'ts. It's about do you want life or do you want to give your life captive to the devil? In bondage, in lies. Which one do you want? A sin, rejecting God, doing what God's word says not to do, is not just a matter of, oh, you know, just doing what I want to do type of thing. And the church is not to say, don't do that. It's a battle for the soul. And to realize when I sin, I give access to the enemy in this spiritual realm to have oppressive powers in my life. Yes, even as a believer. And if I continue to not deal with that in my life, I continue to give the enemy this access and power in my life. Um, And guess what? I'm shut down. 
John makes this very clear. Let me just preface this by saying in chapter 1 of 1 John, verse 9, he says, if we do not admit we're sinners, we're liars. And he says, for everyone, this is the glorious gospel, if we confess our sins, right, um, that he is faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That should be a daily thing for us. Lord, confess, bring your righteousness. I need you. But let me take us to verse three because this is where John, the apostle, is talking to the church, to us. And um, we have minimized, folks, in our culture, cheap grace, we've minimized the role of sin in the world and in our lives today. Therefore, we've missed the power of God. We've missed the radical deliverance and victory Jesus offers his people. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. This is to the church. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And so, folks, I say, Jesus, again, all these may be so careful what teaching you listen to out there. Always check my teaching with the word of God because there's a minimizing of this and there's this lovey-dovey Jesus out there that is not the glorious, victorious Jesus of the Bible. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount to everyone, not just believers. Church wasn't even adopted in Pentecost. This is how he said, if you're going to be, represent the kingdom of God, this is how we're to look at sin. If your eye caused you to sin, lop it out. Better you go through life missing an eye than you go to hell with two eyes. And Jesus did not stop there and say, oh, no, no, let me coddle you. Don't worry. There's grace. Don't worry. No, he went further. He says, if your hand caused you to sin, chop it off. Better you go through life without your hand than you go to hell. What is Jesus saying? That's Jesus teaching and they're starting them out about the kingdom that is to be the attitude that believers have about sin. That's how powerful, that's how dangerous it is. He says, watch out, the devil's trying to get a hold of you. He just wants a foothold, this chapter four. We'll get to here in just a minute. It says, if I let the sun go down in my anger, I can give the devil a stronghold in my life. The victory of Jesus, folks. What I'm advocating to you is we've got to take sin serious. It's a spiritual battle, right? That can take hold of our life, our home, our marriage, our children, the whole culture, right? And But we have this power, this victory to break through those bonds. And I just, with all my heart, I just say, look, I, I can tell you story after story right, in my life where I just kind of minimize something. It's a thought. It's a, how I treat somebody or, or a, a habit, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I just, after I, you know, God forgive me and um, minimize it. You know what happens? My heart hardens. I miss the voice of God slowly. And I miss the power of the Spirit of God. And you know what happens? The enemy comes in and that thing rises up as, an, as a monster inside and it starts to take me captive to where that thing that I kind of minimize now, it controls me. And so what I, I plead with you, church, is that we all are sinners. This is, this is a house of grace, but it has to be a house that is open to be honest with our struggles so we can get victory. 
and call upon the Spirit of God to come and do what he promises he will do, which is set someone free from anything. It doesn't matter how deep and dark the oppression or addiction or whatever it is, but it requires someone to open the heart to Jesus. This isn't counseling. This isn't therapy. This isn't just having a conversation. This has to, at the very beginning, go back to point one, it has to be, Jesus, I'm ready for you to be the Lord of my life. Not just, this is very important, not just come and fix my problem. He'll do that. But before he does that, you know what? He wants to come in and reign in your life, in my life. And if I'm not willing to be serious at that level, no, Jesus, I give you everything. Now I want you to lead everything in my life and I lay my whole life before your word. That's the door open for his power to rush in and bring radical deliverance. The problem today is we've let this gospel go in America, right? This says, come to Jesus with all your problems. He'll heal you. He'll give you abundant life. He'll make you happy and successful, prosperous, blah, 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 right? And we never get to the first important thing. Do you know the love of God in your heart? Have you done the deep work of seeing and addressing who he is? So what Jesus did with the disciples, hey, who do the people say I am? Then he says, who do you say I am? Because if they can't confess he's the Lord of all and I bow before him with all, I'm ready to make that confession, right? Then he's not gonna come in. I, I don't have the power to get free from the things I need to be free from. Now, does God's power override sometimes in blessing people? Sure, of course, because God's great and glorious. But we cannot play that game that I want God... I want the, the goodies. I want the blessings and promises of God. But you know, I'm still going to stay on the throne of my heart. I'm still going to stay here. I'm still in control. I still like these fleshly things. That's not how it works. And John makes that very, very clear that even for a believer to continue practicing sin, in other words, embracing something that is not in the word of God, is that at that point, I give access to the devil in the spiritual realm in my life as a believer. And at that point, guess what? I don't, sometimes if it goes far enough, I need deliverance. I need a power encounter with the spirit of God to powerfully remove that attachment of my soul that I gave, that I allowed. This is the work of ministry. This is what Jesus did. It's clear through the gospels. It is clearly what he taught his disciples. This is how we're to minister to each other. And unfortunately, we have a massive deficit in the church on this issue. And and sadly, it should grip our, put us into anguish when you see the number of people who claim to be believers, but who are walking in radical bondage. That is not an option in the scripture. If you come to him, he wants to set you free, radically free. Now, what does it say before we read? Walk in patience and gentleness. Some things happen, boom, supernatural. Other things take longer. It is for all of us to love and realize, hey man, we all need the grace of God. We all have struggles. We all have oppression. We all need freedom. And to patiently walk in love with each other, but towards freedom, laying hold of the victory of Jesus in our life. Does that make sense, gang? It's a lot. Go look at 68, Psalm 68. Just look at the, the, I could give you many other passages. And the final one, folks, is just this beautiful rest of this, this book. And let me, um, actually, for the sake of time, I'm not gonna read the rest of this. I'll leave it to you because um, we'll come back to it. The glorious gifts. Jesus says in this victory, he's given gifts in his church. He's given supernatural, not your natural talent. We gotta get this right. 
This is not serving the church and others just with your natural abilities. This is supernatural endowment of the Spirit of God in your life. And I simply ask you, do you know the gifts of Jesus in your life? Do you know what those supernatural gifts are? In your life, serving one another. He saved you to gift you for you to serve in His church and minister to others uniquely, beautifully in how you've been gifted. And the church needs you. This is what he goes on to say. But I ask you, have you pursued this? Paul, later on in 1 Corinthians, says, earnestly desire, pursue these things, pursue the gifts of God. So what? So you can come alive in the fullness, right? You just don't sit and soak. We are saved to be served and to minister with others. He wants to put his power upon you. And folks, there's nothing more that strengthens your faith than to realize, wow, I got to love this person. I got to see God move in this person. That's how the church should work. And um, and so I just leave you with that last one. We'll come back to that. Do you know the gifts of God? Again, has anybody walked with you in discipleship, prayed with you to pursue the gifts of God? Are you clear on that? How many people in church in America today are clear about their gifts? And secondly, no, and serving those gifts. Again, not their natural talent. The qualifications for an elder in a church are not to be a successful businessman. has nothing to do with it. His character, right? The soul, does the vocation doesn't matter. What matters is the soul of the person. It's the same thing when it comes to our gifting. It doesn't matter what we've done out there in the world. We, oh, we have to do it with character. What matters is the spirit of God. And sometimes he puts his power on people that you wouldn't even expect. That's how God moves. And so link up with each other. Pursue. And if, you, if this is all foreign to you, please press in with us. We'd love to walk with you. And see God bring you into what he has uniquely for you because we need you to start serving the body as well as using those gifts supernaturally out in the community and to others. So Derek, y'all come on up. Um, here's what we're gonna do. The time left is um, we're just gonna have a little ministry time and um, any of our um, kind of prayer warriors are welcome to just, we'll be up here um, now and through the end of the service. Um, and I'm just going to pray a prayer and let the Lord move as he's going to move uh, this morning. Father, these are just words, Lord, of truth. We need your power on them, Lord. And Father, I, I, I just, I plead for the person listening and who's here this morning, who's struggling in their heart with your love over them. Lord, whatever it takes, crash in your love, Lord. Let them this morning fling wide the doors of their heart, God. Deliver them into your love, Lord. It's a child of God. Father, I pray. Lord, I know there's people in here and watching who cannot break that habit. Shame and guilt have built up. They've battled, they just feel beat up, feel guilty, feel shame. Lord. And have maybe tried all kinds of things. Maybe there's relationships uh, that just tried all kinds of things. We need your power, God. You promised to come and power and do it only you can do, God. And bring deliverance powerfully, God. Set your people free, Lord. 
And Father, I pray for that person that just wonders if they have anything to offer. I pray this morning you'd overwhelm them, God. You are inviting them into your church. You are special in their eyes in the life of your church. Lord, awaken them to their role. And would you pour out? Lord Jesus, you said it. By the measure of faith, pour out your gifts, Jesus, even this morning on your people. So Holy Spirit, come. Yeah, Lord, do your work among us. Expose the work of the enemy for what it is. Give us spiritual eyes. Lord, that we may apply the glory, glorious victory, Jesus, you accomplished. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.